Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Game By Show podcast. Hello, here we are. Uh, I'm trying to be excited again like I was last time because, by golly darn, that was the best intro we'd ever had. And then I'm, I'm happy to be here. That that one burst of high energy carries us all the way through. Yeah, okay, hey guys, woo! Uh, my name is Legrand, that's my name, and that guy's name is Jeremy. Hey, it's me, Jeremy. And that guy's name on the low aerobics pad, Dale Jones. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Hello, Dale. I'm happy to be here tonight. That's good. I'm, I'm happy that both of you guys are here. I, you know, I would hug you guys if we were like within reach. You know? Hey, does I it, would too. Does everybody realize? Here's a little bit of a uh, little bit of background here. A little bit of uh, what? Opening the kimono. We're not actually in the same room. Podcasting. Did you guys know? Gosh, you would never have guessed. Yeah, well, through the miracle of modern technology, the internet, they call it. Spoiler alert. Yep, yep, yep. We've only met each other in person once. For for those, uh, <laughs> for, yeah, for those, uh... Oh, except for me and Jeremy. Yeah, we yeah, no, we're, yeah, we're like all... But, you know, we did we did have a, a good time out with uh, Dale once having some pizza. It was good times. Um, and I've tried to hook up with Jared a few times in Dallas, but he never wants to... I mean, and when I'm in Houston, I try to get him to come down and hang out. Here's the thing. Jared, Jared is actually three gnomes in one big coat. Weird. Yeah, he like he just doesn't want his secret to be divulged. I think I'm going to be in Dallas later this year, and if he doesn't come hang out, I'm going to be very upset. Jared, Jared, Jared. All right, fellers. We'll tell you what. Today's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the day of reckoning. <laughs> I got I got to get a flight in the morning. I'm going to Toronto. Oh wow, that's cool. For a Comic Con, Toronto Comic Con. It's almost like another country. The rest of our crew is in Seattle at Emerald City Comic Con. Uh, I guess some of that's being broadcast on the Science Channel or something. That's also, that's also almost like another country. Weird, I know. Anyway, I played some video games though, a little bit. I want to hear about this little bit of video games. So y'all remember last week when I uh, talked about installing Dragon Age Inquisition? You mentioned oh, yeah, it, yeah. Fun. I played some. Played a, I played a bit. Uh, by a bit, I mean a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's not like I remembered. It's kind of like I remembered, but not like I remembered. And that's well, okay. The, the game remembers. Doesn't it? You're saying that it saved your cloud yeah. save and stuff? It saved my cloud save, but my cloud save was only like f- four or five hours in, and it had been since like 2014. I started over. Oh, well. That game came out in 2014. Does that sound right? Five years ago? Uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah, I think I, that sounds about right. It's been a while. I think hasn't they had it? Mass, Mass Effect 2, then Dragon Age Inquisition, and then, or Mass Effect 3, sorry, Dragon Age Inquisition, Andromeda. And now Anthem. Basically, that's been their last several games, right? There's there's uh, three things that remember. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition remembers, the North remembers, and uh, Pepperidge Farm remembers. Yeah, that's right. Those are the three. So so I started a new game, uh, and I started a mage character, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I'm a mage. I'm a female mage. And since I have the, uh, the DLC, because I have the origin access, all the things... Mm-hmm. Um, I had like a whole bunch of like really good gear waiting for me when I got out. Oh of the yeah! So there's like a little uh, a little chest there in the place where I woke up after the tutorial. Um, if you ever play the tutorial, you like get knocked out at the end by a, or at the end of the tutorial at the end of the tutorial by a big explosion. And in classic fantasy trope, you wake up somewhere else. <laughs> hey, where am I? What happened? Oh, look at this chest here full of this awesome gear. I'm going to put on this really skimpy clothing that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's basically what happened. Um, but yeah, so this is a this is the follow up to Dragon Age 2. So this is the Dragon Age Inquisition. This is not a numbered sequel. This is when they decided, you know what? We're done numbering these things. 
Uh, it's time just to make subtitles for all the things. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if like the sequel to the first game, Dragon Age, was also like the gritty reboot Dragon Age? Yeah, it's called all their games Dragon Age. And so like when you go to Wikipedia, it's like Dragon Age, parentheses, 2017. They're just numbered by year <laughs> no. that they come out. So I have a question for you. So you say it's a sequel to Dragon Age 2. Now, famously, Dragon Age 2 was much different from Dragon Age 1. So is it a spiritual sequel to Dragon Age 2 or is it more like Dragon Age 1? This one feels, well, I, I only played a little bit of Dragon Age 2. Okay. Uh, I haven't played any of either, actually, or... Did you play Dragon Age 1? No, not even at all. Nope. Okay. So the one thing that people didn't like about Dragon Age 2 is because you couldn't like zoom out and have like a tactical camera and yeah. pause the combat. Yeah. It was kind of just all just going all the time. Mm -hmm. It seems like with Inquisition, they tried to marry the two. So uh, the combat is still very, very fast paced. Like you basically target a dude and then you hold down the mouse button and then your guy just does a, a little combo of attacks. And the attacks look and remind me of the attacks from uh, Dragon Age 2. So I'm a mage. I have a staff and my staff can be... A staff of different elements, so I could have like a fire staff or a, a ice staff or a, a electricity staff, and so I'm just like casting out rapid fire, you know, flourishes of my staff and casting out bolts of damage to my enemies, right? Uh, but anytime you can hit the T button, which stands for tactical camera, and then it'll uh, it'll zoom out to a top-down view, and then you can scroll around the map. Uh, you can select your individual guys at any given moment. You can select any member of your party and issue commands to them. But if you hit the T button, it zooms out to an overhead view, uh, which is suffering from, like, old RTS game where you don't have that. It doesn't zoom out that, f that far. Like, it feels like it should zoom out, like, Baldur's Gate that, style. That'd be pretty cool if the tactical camera didn't tilt, didn't go out at all, but just, like, tilted up over the top of something so you couldn't yeah, actually see anything. Yeah, that's better. almost like what it feels like. <laughs> and, you, you, and you scroll around with the WASD keys, and then you can, like, uh, issue commands. You can drop your AOE um, spells a little bit easier. Um, and uh, then you can hit T again and it resumes combat and all your commands happen. Um, I haven't, I've done that a little bit. Um, and it's, and it's been okay. I'm playing on whatever the normal difficulty is of this game. And, um, so this is party based. It's not like you're just a single character, right? You control your party. You create a character at the beginning in classic Bioware fashion. Um, beside, you know, there is no pre built characters like Mass Effect or anything. It's, uh, even though your character does have a voice, you choose between two voices. So I'm a female human mage, and I choose between two voices. And then you create your character, customize it. There's a bunch of preset options or whatever, and then it drops you in the world. But eventually you get party members that are also uh, one of the three classes, and then you can control them as well. And just like, uh, and, and just, I'm, I'm assuming later on you end up finding more party members so you can kind of choose, because there's like a... In my camp, there's like a button or a place I can go click on to like swap out party members. Uh, so eventually I'll get more. Right now I only have four and four is the max party size. So that's basically what I got. That makes um, sense. So there's uh, multiple classes. There's three classes. There's mage, there's warrior, and there's uh, rogue or I don't know, agility guy, dexterity man. Um, and each of, between each of those four, those three classes, there's like two subclass types. And so the mage, so there's skill trees, and so the mage will have access to a, like a Healy support tree, um, and the mage will also have access to like a spell damage tree, right? So you can cast your fire and whatnot. And then the warrior has a, you know, a two-handed weapon or a dual wield, and also a sword and shield type of class um, with respect, with talent trees and stuff like that. And then uh, the rogue has like a bow and arrow rogue and like a stabby stab rogue, right? Rogue. Um, and so you kind of, you, so you just pick the class and I think that based on what you choose to begin with, it gives you a, a few starter spells. Um, 
and then you can spec whatever way you want. Right. Uh, as you play and level up, every time you level up points, uh, you get a um, you get a uh, skill point that you can put into your talent trees, like every other goddamn RPG, right? <laughs> Which is fine. You know, they're fine. <laughs> That's just the way these games work. I don't know why I'm even explaining it. Hey, it's it works like every other RPG. Surprise. Well, well, I sort of wonder, like, aside from that, so there's, yeah, I'm sure there's, like, uh, you know, quests and talking to people and it's fully voiced i'm sure yeah and all that good stuff. it's fully voiced uh voice acting is pretty good uh the characters who are actually your player companions are really well acted and they're also very well like designed it's funny because like uh, it seems like in, in classic bioware games it seems like every character that's in the game is like has been created by the character creator right yeah <laughs> and yeah. then and then all the actual um named npcs that you care about are all like actually designed characters by that people have, yeah but then the problem is, is that your character that you're controlling is also created by the character creator. So it's never going to be as detailed as, right. you know, one of these other characters, unless you're playing like, you know, Commander Shepard, like legit Shepard um, that they made. But uh, so the storyline with this game is uh, you're there's like a rift that's open. I can't remember what they call it, a cataclysm or something. And there's like this rift to the demon land that is opened up and. And people have to fight demons. And so for some reason, um, they come up to one of these rifts and they can see into the rift and all of a sudden you get thrown out of it. And you have a power in your hand, like a glowing power that allows you to close these rifts. And and so a lot of people don't know what to make of you because they think you caused it because you came out of it. So they capture you at the beginning. You don't remember anything. So classic trope going on there with you don't remember anything. So you're trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Uh, but eventually you like prove your worth and you go and you close down one of the major rifts that's plaguing this area. And so now all of a sudden people think that you're the chosen one that's come to basically, um, bring a, bring about the uh, inner peace and, and the millennium of, of peace and prosperity. This stranger has the tactical camera. Yeah. You're, you're, you're like the chosen one. Right. And so you, um, so every, so half the people, so basically it, it now it splinters the game into like, so there's a bunch of politicking going on. There's like the, uh, you know, the faction, the, the Chantry faction, which is whatever. And then you have, like, the, the army faction, and they're always at war. You have the Templars and the mages. So there's all these different um, factions that are in the game that are kind of competing against each other. And so some of them believe in you, and some of them don't. And so basically, your job is to... So the storyline of the game is like, okay, I'm going to go around and convince... And so they call it an Inquisition, and I don't know exactly why they call it that. Um, so, uh, it's like we're, so, like, one of the guys says pulls out a book at the beginning is like all right by by the by the bowels of this here ancient tome i declare an inquisition <laughs> and then everyone's like oh no and then the, then the mage or the the templar guys are like oh you can't do that and they're like all right well we're doing it anyways because we have the right given to us by this book <laughs> uh and so you do and then you're basically the leader of that inquisition and uh, your job is to go around and spread the good word of the Inquisition and seal the rifts and kill demons and help people out. No um, one expects and- the Dragon Age Inquisition. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so basically, and I have yet to see a dragon. Uh, oh, no. Cool, right? uh, and so um, and so then you, so you open up like a world map, right? So back at this main hub land, uh, you can open up, you open up a world map. And in that world map, you can uh, send people out to scout different areas and that unlocks that area for you to travel to and quest in oh. um, and as you quest as you quest in that area and you close rifts and you do things and complete objectives uh quests and things like that you unlock points that allow you to send scouting parties to other parts of the world so is it is it linear or do you kind of get to pick and choose where you go is it interchangeable you can just decide or is there well, i'll tell you what you're played an assassin's creed game a modern one with lots of icons on it oh yeah yeah 
think that, but then like triple it. And that's how many icons are on this one. Oh, map. that's too many icons. Um, there's a lot of icons. There's a lot of things to do. Lots of side quests. Lots of, uh, you know, finding things. Uh, lots of crap like that. And um, so I, I know that there's like a main storyline. There's like a main quest in your journal you're supposed to follow. But beyond that, I have like 20 other side quests that are in my logs just based on people I've talked to. Right. And things that I found. Like you'll come across like a... On your mini map, you'll see like a little question mark in an area and you'll walk over there and you'll click on a note and all of a sudden you have a quest in your journal to go and find somebody that's in a cave somewhere and find out what the hell his problem is. You know, so little things like right, that and that's right, all right. over the place. Uh, I, I could see, really see if you got sucked into that, this game could take hundreds of hours oh, given that I have yet to do anything on the main storyline uh, after like the intro stuff. So I, I, know, I know what I need to do, but I just haven't. <laughs> right. I haven't done it because I'm just like, oh, I guess I'll head that direction. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's an icon on the map that attracts me that way. And now I'm doing another side quest. Um, Got to go over there and so get that what, Zombrex. Yeah. So what's been kind of uh, what's been recommended to me by Dale and by others is you should just kind of mainline the story as best you can, because otherwise you're going to get burned yeah, out. On that'll probably be enough content. Game. Yeah. But the game's really good, and but I, I really don't think I have 200 hours to put into this game, you know? Uh, the first Dragon Age, I believe I put in like about 95 uh, into like a full playthrough of the first game with a little bit of the DLC content, and I really liked it. Um, I really like this game, too. Uh, the problem is I'm going on a trip, and I'll be back in like five days, and who knows if I'm going to care in five days, you know? That's kind of like... It's hard for me to get back into games if I leave them yeah, for some time, Yeah, especially right? since you've already been like five years gone, so it's like... Yeah, but I I, li- I do enjoy it, and, and I was thinking tonight, I'm like, oh, I'm going to play some Dragon Age before I leave on my trip, and I'm like, well, I should probably hang out with my family. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably going to do that instead. Uh, but yeah, it's it's, it's fun. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's good. It's a good game. The graphics look really good. It, it, I think we've come to a point in, like, AAA games where five-year-old games look amazing. Yeah, right, you know? exactly. They yeah. look really awesome, and there's nothing to... The graphics don't hold this game back if you would think that a five-year-old game right. would this game. I mean, this is a game from the PlayStation 4 generation, I suppose, so um should look good, right? should yeah. look like a modern yeah. game. Yeah, well, and, and, and we might like be a, a little game. more forgiving about that stuff, too. I mean, I, I mean, what we're talking about high-end graphics are just, like, so over the top. It's like, do, you know, do you really, yeah. you really need that? Is it necessary? And with the indie game, Revolution, you know, that could kind of be yeah, a lot of, of lo-fi stuff. Yeah, exactly. that's kind of like, uh, people have been all about that lately. Well, cool. Well, that's a good so, one. So, yeah, Dragon Age Inquisition. It's the third. I don't know. I'm so excited now about Dragon Age 4. Excited to play that when it comes out. <laughs> what I'm really excited for is Elder Scrolls 6. That's what I'm really excited for. I, I'm really looking forward to Elder Scrolls Blades. Oh, yeah. So here's the problem is I was I was debating, like, should I play Dragon Age Inquisition or should I play uh, Witcher 3? So I was debating between those two. And for some reason, I land on Dragon Age Inquisition for now. You know, what if I just say to myself, I'm not going to play any more games. I'm just only going to play... Witcher 3 and Dragon Age or, or Inquisition until they're both completed. Then what? I don't think you could do it. I don't think you could do it. Well, you're probably right. <laughs> you're 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 probably like right Jeremy, but you know, may, maybe I want to maybe I want to say I want to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you want to take a stand on some <laughs> things. You want you want to be a man. For a while it was he, it was Heroes of the Storm and then like whatever else. So maybe now it's uh Dragon Age Inquisition and everything else. As long as you keep a rotating list of stuff works out. That's right. So there you go. Yep, so that's what I've been playing, and uh, maybe we should ask uh, Jeremy. I don't know. Jeremy, what have you all been playing? Uh, All right, well, uh, I've been playing something that is... uh, Actually, I've talked about this game in the past, kind of in a different form before. Uh, This week, we saw the free-to-play version of Final Fantasy Dissidia, 
or I'm sorry, I'm saying this backwards because, you know, nothing can be straight up with Square Enix. Duodecim, NT. Yeah, except there's no Duodecim. So this is, so you're right. Okay, so you're right. So actually, Dale, are you familiar with the city? I know we've kind of talked about it periodically. Did you only, only vaguely, but you know, you, you have mentioned wanting to play this game a few times already. So. Yes, yes. So I played this when it was in the public online beta uh, back on PlayStation 4. Well, it is now released for the first time on PC and they either have a full version that you can get for 20 bucks or they've uh, also made it where there's a kind of free version where they have of the of the many characters, the many people in the pantheon of Final Fantasy, they have a rotating schedule of like three or four people. Uh, this week, and they, they do it every week, so this week was um, uh, Golbez from like Final Fantasy four, uh, uh, lightning cloud. Yeah. Yep. Cloud from seven. And there was someone else and I can't think of who it was. I can't think of who it was. Uh, but anyway, there's just all, all people. There's just people from everywhere, all, all kinds of people. And, um, so the thing about this is, uh, I, I can't remember if I've described Dissidia before. I think I may have kind of vague. It, it probably bears repeating because it is a different kind of fighting game. Uh, it's not a 1v1. So actually, the original Dissidia and Duodecim on the PSP were 1v1 affairs, basically. Were those two different games, or was Duodecim the first one? Duod- so Dissidia was the first one. Duodecim came after because it was 012. It's like the 12th chapter because there were only 11 chapters. In the one, I don't know, it's some baloney naming convention or something. Figures that but. Square Enix would put eleven chapters. Yeah, in dude. A I mean, game. Come, yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, Final Fantasy. Let's let's all be honest. It is only like this far away from being the Kingdom Hearts naming convention. It's you know we whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, I am theater rhythm Final Fantasy. I mean, there was a there was a period of time for about three years where they were just kind of digging into the the you know sideboard. Of, of stuff. So um, it is a essentially a free range kind of fighting game. So it's not like Street Fighter or or Mortal Kombat. It's more like uh, like God Hand or something. Maybe does that but does that compute? But it's also not Smash Brothers. Right. It's it's a little bit like Final you know what's Fantasy a free range Smash fighting Brothers. Games? It's free Bushido range. Yeah. Blade. Okay. All right. Okay. Bushido Blade. All right. Um, but it's even wider range than that because the thing is, this is anime fighting. So, um, you know, that thing that like anime ninjas do where they like run so fast that their arms dangle behind them and stuff. Yes. Um, it's, it's that sort of thing where you like, you close a lot of distance and, and hit someone very far away and, uh, yeah, almost, you know, like dragon they ball go, like, sliding black back yes like ground, like exactly repelling the force furrows. of the hit while they like dig into the ground exactly all yeah. of that all of that is in this but a lot glowier because you know they've got japanese you know anime magic going on so stuff glows also um the thing that makes this different though is that the psp version was a 1v1 thing and this now they've got three on three and they are uh, allowing you to do a lot of AI stuff. So, so the, the, the main modes are that if you, since you're fighting 3v3, um, they, they basically give you a stock life counter. So by default, uh, you get three lives, one ostensibly for each of your people, but you could have one loser like me who, you know, dies three times and loses the, the match for you. Um, but, but that's the thing. So if somebody, somebody gets knocked out, it takes a counter and that's mostly what you're playing with this game. There are some additional modes like, um, every once in a while, these crystals will pop up because now Final Fantasy is all about crystals. Dude, crystals go way back in Final Fantasy. I know, but yeah, they do. But I mean, now it's like, I don't know, super, I, I feel like I'm at like some trashy Las Vegas gem convention and it's like, oh, the crystal, the crystal, how, how, you know, how much is this one worth? two thousand dollars um i don't know i don't know it's just a little kitschy you know the crystals 
Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so this, there are modes where you can like defend the crystal, basically, uh, th because they'll pop up during regular matches too and give you, um, you know, attack power and stuff. But the thing that, aside from the free ranging and aside from the Final Fantasy Pantheon, the thing that makes Dissidia really different is it has a two-layered uh, combat system, attack system. Um, you you have not only HP health, but you have this sort of uh, layer that that lays that sits over the top of it called bravery. And when you attack, you have one button that attacks bravery attacks and one button that attacks HP. And the thing is that they're tied together in that your HP attack is as powerful as your bravery built up to be. So your bravery will kind of increase and decrease throughout the course of battle, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But when you finally decide to attack, attack somebody's hit points that will eventually take them out of the game, uh, that hit that HP attack is as strong as whatever your bravery level is. That sounds kind of like moment. that system in uh, the Banner Saga. Did you ever play that first Banner I, Saga? I played game? it, but I never like played it a lot. Your strength and your life were the same. So if you had 10 life, you'd have 10 strength. And if you lost you know, some damage, you, you got down to five life, then you would only hit for five strength as well. Ah, yeah, kind of like that, actually. It is kind of like that. So the thing is that as you attack people's bravery, it's sort of, if you successfully land an attack, and you know, there's dodging and parrying and stuff like that that will, you know, depending on your timing, you, you can be more or less adept at fighting. But when you attack someone's bravery, it transfers that value to you from them. So you, it's, it's almost like a zero sum kind of thing, except it's, except it's not, there are other points that are, so you'll, you'll increase slowly over time or whatever. But if you hit somebody for 500 bravery, you gain the 500 bravery, they lose it. And then potentially you could unleash that into a, a an HP attack. So the idea is there, there's a couple of things going on here. There's a risk reward type thing where you want to, you know, like a, like a frantic squirrel stuff all of the bravery points into your cheeks until, you know, and hopefully nobody else gets them by the time you can successfully land an attack because other people are coming after your bravery as well. So, you know, it, you, you kind of have to decide, like, am I going to spend this now? Because, you know, by the time you spend it on an HP attack, here's the other thing. Your bravery goes down to zero or goes down to, you know, very low, So which also leaves you vulnerable because if anyone attacks your bravery below zero, then they get this gigantic bonus. So you kind of have to really keep an eye on both the bravery points, your own and other people's, and the HP points. And in this, because there's six people on the field, uh, everybody's bravery is sort of reported. And uh, the one thing about this, there's a lot of, of stuff going on and the interface is a little bit cluttered. It, it does get a little busy at times, not to mention all of the anime that's going on. You know, there's the, 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 the flashing lights and balls and, you know, fountains of, of sparks and those kinds of things. Um, so, so that's the combat system, is the bravery system and the HP system. And then every attack that you do has different variations, which you can slot into your characters. So you start out at the beginning with just whatever they give you. And typically it's an up tilt on the stick, back tilt on the stick, and stick neutral. And there, there may be some other things as well. Um, but, but, but there are, you know, there are more buttons on controllers now. So I, I haven't figured that out yet. Um, but, uh, and then you can also, uh, toggle between targets with your shoulder buttons. So I've been playing this on PC with a DualShock 4 controller controller and um and actually i had to reconfigure the controls a little bit because i think it started out only recognizing the keyboard which is kind of dumb I, I would i would really love to see somebody play this with a with a keyboard um 
the other thing is summons. So in the previous game, summons, which are a big part of Final Fantasy, uh, they would give you, they would bestow sort of special conditions, like they would give you a, a big bravery boost, or they would, re you know, reduce the enemies to zero and give you a chance to, you know, own them. Um, uh, or, you know, just, uh, just a number of, I, I would call them status effects and things. In this, you do have special abilities that, you know, there, there used to be an EX meter that you could like, you know, you get, you get like, um, you know, like Vegeta or someone when he's gaining power, like this, this jet of, of light that also is sort of like, it crumbles the ground below him, but you so know, you know like what I mean? Limit break about. or something? Yeah, something, yeah, exactly. Something like that. And so you have those, but then the summons are actual corporeal things that that appear in the stage and generally will wreck house um and you know the, all the usual ones are there you've got your efreets and your your uh, uh who's the diamond dust girl uh shiva shiva yeah shiva and you know bahamut and all those things uh and they all have special abilities but basically by the time you start summoning stuff like the whole place has gone to hell essentially like you can't even tell what's going oh, on oh yeah if, if you've broken out the summons in a final fantasy game then uh yeah all bets oh, yeah. are off just for, yeah forget i mean it's it's like playing you know marvel versus capcom and it's just like stuff is everywhere and you who knows what's going on um so the other thing about this and, and in fact i, I do kind of want to compare it briefly to games like street fighter or marvel versus capcom or something in that those games typically are a lot about the combos and it's like you know timing and hit the combo just right and pause for this but then you know quarter turn strong fight, you know, whatever. This doesn't really have that. It mostly has the two kinds of attacks and then maybe three varieties of those and, you know, maybe a dodge and stuff. The, the, whereas the, those kinds of games might be like rock, paper, scissors, you know, mm -hmm. fireball, dodge. Hard counters. Yeah, exactly. This is a little bit more like, um, I'll bust out a Dune reference. It's more like faints within faints within faints. Um, because if you can sort of predict what the other person is going to do from a fairly, I don't want to call it a limited move set, but you know, it's, it's mostly like, are you in range? Are they going to be able to hit you with this? Can you like scoot in just in time to, to launch this thing? Is an HP attack going to take longer than a bravery attack? So can I pull that off or are they going to block it or, or counter me or something? Mostly it's that stuff. And I've seen some reviews for this when it first came out that were saying, well, you know, it's just like button mashing, but you know, anything can be button mashing if you don't think about it. But one of the things that I always felt it was cool in Dissidia was the fact that if I could get in the flow of it and I knew the character that I was up against and I knew their moveset, I could sort of predict where they were going to go next and, and, you know, generally do a pretty good job. And, and, you know, this is playing against the AI too, so I'm not going to get too excited about my skills. Um, but you know, that was the thing is you can kind of know, like as you get better at the game and, and kind of understanding ranges and, and, and the other thing they've introduced to this is different character types. So there's like, uh, assassin types and, uh, I'm trying to look this up because this is new to me and I'm not a hundred percent sure, uh, what, what all this stuff is. Um, so there's vanguards, assassins, marksmen, um, and, and, you know, when you're playing in a trio, you can sort of choose your positions and stuff, and you might have somebody who's better at defending or somebody who's better at launching ranged attacks. And so I can see that that is kind of a, I don't know, an improvement question mark. It's, it's a lot busier though. So I think in this case, it's sort of a lateral step. I, I kind of liked it when it was just one-on-one, -on -one, but I can see why. This game is free to play, right? It, it is now. Yeah, it is. So it's on PC and on PlayStation 4 right now. So you can actually so, so try it So maybe that's why they decided to make it a sort of more expansive move and attack set is just because they want to be able to maybe augment more areas with 
purchases. Yeah. Well, and NT, I, I think they've mostly only changed the fact that you can play different characters. I think the movesets and stuff were pretty well established when it first came out as a, as a paid game. Um, but but oh, I, I think was that... It converted? Yeah, well, and I think it was also like an arcade game. And so kind of looking at it, I can kind of see like if they had released it as as it was in its PSP incarnation, even if it were up res, I could see people saying like, well, this is kind of dull, you know, like it's, it's not enough going on. So it's but not now really it's like, like a sequel. It's more of like an expansion of an existing. Yeah, it's like game? the further development of the idea and possibly overdevelopment of the idea. Hmm, okay. Um, and I could see both sides of it. Like I could see someone starting at NT and being like, wow, the the depth of having three different kinds of characters on, on the field and yeah, look how you can coordinate but then and then they'd go back to the PSP version and say like well this is dumb you're only one character and you know you have to you have to just outguess this one opponent like where's all the where's the depth but then from my side i i kind of like well three people is like kind of too busy like there's just a little bit too much going on and i don't know i like i said if i it's i can too busy you're both. too old yeah exactly right like i can't even tell i i've been able to tell what's going on since like i don't know mortal kombat 2 or something it's like it's, it's just uh, way too much in marvel versus capcom 2 yeah marvel versus capcom 2 man i who even knows um so there are a lot of other things so the the free to play version it locks you out of the story mode so praise you know praise the crystals for that because that thing is a i don't know it is it is not the strong suit but it is kind of cool like there's some cockamamie story like the the god's materia and someone or other are choosing their champions to fight. It's, it's just stupid. It's stupid. And it's, you know, the delivery also is that very like, oh, what is going to happen here? Where is my home? I don't know. You know, it's just, it's like that kind of stuff. Like you really don't want to be exposed to it anyway. Flip side though, is it's like you play a few rounds of this and you're like, yeah, I've kind of seen what there is to see. So you're either going to appreciate it for the combat system and for what it is. And it is different. Like it, it's its own thing. I don't know of any other games that are really like it. Um, but by the same token, it's like, well, would I have enjoyed a campaign or should I be playing? You know, is there something more to this? Um, again, it, it just kind of depends. And because it is really focusing on the online, um, you know, that's the other side of it too. Like you can actually play against AI, but you know, I, I think what they're trying to do is to encourage a pool of players for this, for this game of theirs. Um, and, uh, yeah, and there's other things too, like reward systems for logins and, you know, they'll give you currency to start unlocking things and move sets and, and stuff like that. And the cast of characters really is pretty good. There's at least one hero from all of the mainline Final Fantasies. The, um, the areas that you go in the arenas are from all across the franchise and it's really cool. The music, of course, is, you know, whatever you have to say about Final Fantasy, the music is typically pretty unimpeachable. Um, and it's great to have that stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's a little different than the Dissidia I love, but I, I could, I could get used to it. And especially for the low, low price of zero. Um, I, I, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm into it for a little while anyway. So that's what I've been playing. Dale, what's, uh, what's been on your plate this week? Well, I had a weird sort of, I don't know, craving out of the blue to play some Resident Evil. Oh. And, um, so I picked up Resident Evil 5. Oh. Which uh, is is actually really old at this point. I think that game came out in like 2008. Isn't that girl's name Shiva too, or something like that? Sheva. Sheva. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's right. Sheva. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, did you ever play this one? No, I did not. But I understand that it was the. I mean, they, that was the big thing about this was they added co-op, right? So you always have this yeah. other character, and also Chris Redfield is like right, he's yoked. Swole. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's super swole. Uh, well, did you play four? Uh, yes, of course. Yes. Okay, so at the time this came out, I think I, I think there was a demo or something on 360, and because I, I remember playing just like a little bit of it, um, and then 
not really playing anymore. And at the time being like, oh, okay, yeah, I kind of know what's going on here. I don't really need to right, play right. this. Um, and so, so getting into it now, because I, I think at some point I probably picked it up for like five bucks on Steam, right? Um, I'm a little bit surprised at like just how similar it is to, to four, uh, which is weird because now if you think about it, say this game came out in 2008, which I think is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it was what, four or five years after Resident Evil 4 came out, right? Okay. So basically those two games are like twice as near to each other as we are to when this game came out. <laughs> wow. Uh, which is weird to think about, right? Because uh, like when you're when you're living in the moment, four or five years is like, oh man, that's a long time. But then when you start looking at like 10 versus 15 years, it's like, well, okay. It's, weird. Are very, we are, are on our way together. to the grave quickly. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's very much like, and then so oddly enough, I played some of Resident Evil four, probably, I don't know, a year or so ago, just, and just like maybe 30 or 45 minutes of it. Um, just and that kind of quenched the, the thirst or whatever. Um, and so anyway, this one I decided to check out and, uh, the first, first time their first session I, I had with it the other night. Um, I was actually just having a good amount of fun with it. I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is pretty good. This is kind of like, uh, I think I finally maybe sort of got what the game, the way that the game was meant to be played. Um, after, uh, I noticed the thing with what they're doing with the game, with the, with the enemies in this one is to sort of foil your plan to just headshot the zombies and be done with them. Right. Right. So, uh, I can't remember if they introduced it in this game or if these were in, four also i think they might have been but like if you when you headshot them there's like a probably like a one in three chance that they sprout these like tentacles out of their head and then they they just become like stronger and take more hits to kill the plagos um yeah they they had those in four didn't they yeah Yeah. okay um well so the so kind of the mechanic there is like maybe maybe don't gamble on whether that's going to happen and instead, you know, kneecap the zombies to slow them down. Cause it does that thing where there's like three or four on screen coming at you at one time. Yeah. yeah like dead space. Like there was a period of time and they're like, no headshots, no headshots. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And cause in that game, they wanted you to like sever all the limbs. You know? Right. Um, but the name of the game here seems to be, um, don't worry too much about having to conserve ammo. Uh, I mean, you, you can't just waste it, but there seems to be enough laying around. Right. Right. Um, but in order to kind of keep the, the hordes off of you, you got to kind of kneecap them and like shoot them in the shoulder or the, the, the arm or whatever to make them drop the like hatchet that they're carrying or whatever. Uh-huh. So if you kind of vary up where you shoot them and it's not just headshots all the time, you can sort of accomplish what you need to, um, without having to be like pinpoint accurate with the controls. Cause that's the other thing about, uh, at least four and five is they have a sort of, a little bit odd uh, aiming scheme where it's not like you're, it's not like you're looking down the sights of the gun. It's more like you're controlling the laser pointer, you know? Oh and yeah. So okay. It yeah, seems yeah. like the acceleration on the analog sticks is, is a little bit finicky or something. Doesn't, so doesn't it snap though? Kind of doesn't it snap to things. Maybe not. 
There might be a setting that you can do that with or something. There is a version of this game. The PlayStation 3 version of this supported the Move controller, and oh, well. I, I kind of want to go back and play that. I'm, I'm on the hook to I know play they, this. They've always done like the Wii, Wii controller with 4 and yeah, uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's um, the best. That's the best because then you don't have to stop an A. It's like that, not the turret thing, but you can actually. I mean, it's got to be the the gestural controls for that game have got to be the optimal. Oh yeah, and and so in this game you do have to stop and aim, basically stop and pop. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. go into the aiming mode. Um, but there's also the the combat knife, which is nice because you can then, um, you can save your am- ammo basically and do damage right. to things. But you kind of need to stun them or sort of make them drop their weapon or something before you try that or else it's pretty risky. Right. Um, or if you knock them down, then you can go over and slice them up a few times. And uh, is, it always, is it still that dumb slicing animation where they kind of just like wave it sideways and kind of... Yeah, well, so Chris Redfield has his, he has his knife mounted he's on got, his Oh, he's got like a machete shoulder. in this thing now, right? It's a pretty big knife and he like, he quickly like grabs it from over his shoulder and does the like slash out like and then stuffs it back in without missing right he like puts it back oh, yeah, in the totally. sheath. Just, just instantly instantly sheathes it and then brings the gun back up oh and then he's got like a massive like hook that he can like a, a, a nice big punch that can clear out like three guys and like knock them 10 feet away yeah it's and so i don't know i think i just something sort of slotted into place with with this game um when I played it the other night. And so I was looking forward to getting back to it tonight. And and I came back and played and finished out the second half of the first chapter of the campaign, which I don't know if it's like six or eight chapters probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so would you play this with a co-op buddy or would you only play? I mean, I know you, but what do you think about playing this with somebody? I don't see where it's really necessary because the AI is doing just fine controlling mm. Sheva at the moment. And she's, um, you know, we kind of make a good team because she shoots more and I try to conserve my ammo. So, so I let so her she, So she's doing all the work. Is that what you're saying? She like shoots just... more and then I like, I cut them up with a knife, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and then I collect the, the ammo or let her collect the ammo and, and, you know, we go. Uh, but the AI buddy um, does a pretty decent job. Uh, they, they stay out of the way. They don't impede where you're going, like collision wise, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, if she gets in trouble. Like she's usually not just a couple of feet steps away from me. And so then there's a button prompt. You can knock the guy off of her or whatever. Uh, and then is, is there a lot of contrived like, oh, no, I'm on this side of the. Of yeah, the- there's some of that. There's like uh, it's going to take both of us to kick this gate down. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> and there's like a, a ladder that's broken halfway up. So like you give her a boost and she goes up the ladder. And yeah. Yeah. Does the yeah. thing. Um, yeah. There's this stuff like that, of course. All right. Um, well, I mean, you know. There was a, again. There was a time for that in in games too, right? Before before co op became like Warframe Destiny MMO style co op. It was yeah, yeah. It was this sort of thing. <laughs> Alex Vance. Um, what was the game that they did that in? Oh, Gears. It was was the first Gears or maybe Gears of War two, uh, where they would like split you off and like if it was just the two of us playing, right? Then we would uh-huh. each have one AI buddy because it was always squad of four in Gears. Oh yeah, four yeah. Uh, and then like the, the, the path would come to like a Y, um, but then the, but the branches more like a tuning fork because the, the branches are then parallel to each other right, and you exactly. can see each other like through the glass or whatever, but you can't get to each other. Right. So you have to communicate. I'm kind of cool when it was new, a little, a little yeah, tired I mean, now, Yeah. So novel. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, so it's a, it's surprising in the, just like how it's really 
not much of a graphical upgrade from four. I mean, it did go to HD and then, and then they did add the co-op stuff. Um, and they kind of got rid of the inventory Tetris, but now it's like an inventory, um, Sudoku. <laughs> it's like one of those, uh, or one of those sliding puzzles, you know, that would be amazing. Like what if, as you became more encumbered, you'd have to do like more, like more complicated Sudoku. To- That's always how it's been. Right? It's, no, it's, it, you just have a, a block, a grid of nine slots. And, uh-huh. um, it seems like four of the slots are accessible by the, the D pad directions. Um, and then the other ones are, uh, just like where you store extra ammo and stuff. Right. Um, right. so it's, it seems like it's kind of, they changed up a few things, but it is very similar to four and how it feels to play. Um, so that's kind of one thing. And then the other is just, uh, rather than sort of be frustrated by the controls and the tempo of the game. Um, I think I've kind of found a, an appreciation for it a little bit. So, right. Right. Uh, oh, and the, and the cutscenes are, are of course, you know, vintage, uh, just cheese cornball, like, procedural it's like it's like you know it's like a mix of like military police and detective uh procedural tropes and stuff you know this one has the like weird sort of um you remember at the time i think it was n guy kroll that like pointed out oh all these this is like in africa and all the people you're shooting are all black people yes um so it does have that kind of Stranger, what is Stranger in a Strange Land or whatever like that? Uh, yeah, the Heart of Darkness. Yeah, that I don't know if there's a word for it, but like the going and and uh, adventuring and whatever. Call it colonize <laughs> colonization. The, I guess that's, that's just right. A the imperial thing. imperial. Uh, I mean, if you got if, you know if you've got biceps like that, you can you can oh, pretty yeah. much yeah you yeah, can he's totally an American imperialist. Yeah, I mean he's he's working for. Here's the thing they lay out in the. Um, cutscene the opening cutscene because they're talking about you know how uh the bsaa is the is like the organization that chris redfield works for in this game uh-huh. um which is different of course that was never in resident evil games before because it was always like it was like stars when they were when they were kids right <laughs> uh working for raccoon city raccoon city police department uh-huh. um i don't know what like leon s kennedy was he was like working for the president Right in yeah, like guarding the daughter. Yeah, he's like Secret Service or something, I guess. Um, with a weird jacket, he's like not wearing his. Uh, Can you suit. imagine hiring a guy like that to be the bodyguard for the first family? Just being like, yeah, this guy's got a uh, faux fur lined bomber jacket. He's <laughs> yeah, our right. man. Uh, uh, but anyway, the the outfit that Chris Redfield is with, the BSAA, right. It's straight up started by like a pharmaceutical consortium. I was going to say that sounds like a growth hormone or something like maybe that's the secret to those arms of his. Well, it's, it, what happened was that the, the pharmaceutical consortium, um, they, you know, they, they let out the T virus or whatever. And they, they decided to correct their own problems as an industry. Um, you know how like the movie industry or the games industry does their own like ratings, self-regulation. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the pharmaceutical industry in this case decided to make like a paramilitary organization to go into all these countries and kill all the bio organic weapons that keep happening. 
I mean, that's um, kind of a cool idea. It's like uh, Jurassic Park or something. Like, okay, now yeah, we're, but it's just we're done preposterous, with this. right? You know, <laughs> oh, the whole thing is preposterous, dude. I of mean, course. come on. I I hear you. I hear you. But I mean, I'm kind of like, okay, well, at least they're you know taking some responsibility. That's a huge expense, though. I wonder. I mean, how does that look on your? Yeah, your, right. <laughs> yeah, on your ledger. Uh, yeah, and they they just ignore the like sovereignty of the governments that they go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just it's it's total cornball. Uh, story stuff um but uh yeah it's, it seems We're like good. pretty good fun well good well folks uh, speaking of some cornball story stuff that ignores the sovereignty of countries all across the world uh this podcast is uh we are flagrantly violating borders uh worldwide here to talk to you about video games and only listen stuff. to international waters that's right that's right pirate game bites radio uh, and we'll be back in just a few days to hit you up with the news and the new releases and a special topic of discussion, so look forward to that. Uh, if you'd like to talk to us about the games that you've been playing, or if you have any comments about free-to-play Final Fantasy, or uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, waking up somewhere with uh, amnesia and what have you, or uh, violating some, I don't know, cultural norms and, and, you know, sovereignty and things like that, uh, let us know all about that. You can find us collectively at Game Bite Show on Twitter. You can find me individually at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me on Instagram and on Twitter and on uh, Marco Polo and Snapchat at Legrand. Wow, Snapchat. That's a that's a that's terrible. <laughs> I don't that's believe terrible. you're on Snapchat. Yeah, you might you may be right. I think I have a Snapchat account. I, I was thinking I was thinking, how do I reach these kids? Oh, no. And the answer was Snapchat. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and I am at Count Elmdor. Other than that, uh, you can find our fourth man, Jared Red Eye Dunn, at R-E-D underscore I, Red Eye, on Twitter. You can find him over at twitch.tv slash Show. This past week, we played uh, Foundation, I think is what it's called, which is a medieval... Is that based on the Isaac Asimov? No, I might not be called series? Foundation. What's the, Is there another F word for something that's like a foundation? Like a... Firmament? Foundation. Firmament? Yeah, something like that. We played something like that, and it was a medieval city-building game, kind of like Anno uh, in Early Access by some former uh, uh, Paradox guys, I think. So uh, check that out over at uh, youtube.com slash show, or find us on GameByteShow.com and also take a uh, moment to link over to us on Discord where we'd love to have you there to talk about games that we've been playing, games that you've been playing, whatever's going on. Uh, we keep an eye out for freebies and things like that and uh, make sure to pass the uh, savings on to you, uh, those zero dollar savings. Uh, so come join us there. And uh, other than that, folks, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of the Game Byte Show podcast. Uh, until next time, uh, we'll be seeing you. Keep your powder dry. Keep it dry. And sovereign. Keep your powder sovereign. Bye. The promise surviving the breach in the sky. Find me. Still searching for some